The reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 through to chapter 2 verse 4 and can be found on page 1001 of the Church Bibles. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is, much, is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels wings and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or obedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Well, thank you, Deborah, for reading, uh, reading for us. Please keep that passage open. We're going to be looking just at verses, chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and we've covered chapter 1 over the last couple of weeks, um, so it would help you to have it there in front of you. Before we get to that, though, uh, let me pray. There was a point in Jesus' life when some of his disciples were abandoning him, and he turned to the twelve, and he asked them, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ has the words of eternal life. And no one else does. And so we thank you so much that we can hear your word today. And we pray, Lord, therefore, that our hearts would be open to your words that we listen to your voice, and that we cling tightly to the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, imagine that uh, you're in the Greek islands on holiday. Imagine that. And you and a couple of friends, you think, well, I've got, I've got a good idea. Why don't we go down to the harbour and see if we can rent a boat for a couple of days? 
So that's what you do. And it's a sunny day and there's a light breeze and you, you're sailing along happily uh, along the coast. As evening comes, you pull into a cove for the night. And as soon as you enter the cove, the little breeze, it drops completely and the boat comes to a stop. And so you begin to relax. Maybe you go for a little bit of a swim, have a barbecue, a couple of glasses of ouzo, and then you all turn in for the night. You drift off to sleep. The sound of the waves gently lapping against the shore sounds amazing. But there's a problem. In all the relaxing, you've forgotten to put down the anchor. And so during the night, as the tide moves and the currents swirl beneath the boat, you begin to drift. When you wake up in the morning, you stick your head out the cabin and you realise that you are not where you thought you were and that now the sunshine has gone and a dark, ominous sky looms overhead. A storm is coming and you and your friends are in sudden and serious danger. Drift is dangerous. That's what our passage this morning is about. The danger Christians face of drifting from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're going to see in this passage, verses two, chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, is three things. We're going to see a warning about drift, the danger of drift, and then how to avoid that drift. A warning, the danger, and then how to avoid it. Verse 1, we hear the warning. Therefore, we must play, pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, the therefore, of course, points back to what's been said in chapter 1. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews has been making much of Jesus. It was read to us earlier on. The claims about his greatness have been stacking up one upon the other. He's told us that Jesus is greater than the prophets, that God has spoken climactically and definitively through his Son. He's told us that Jesus is God the Son, the creator, the sustainer of the universe, the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. More than that, he's told us that Jesus is also the Davidic son. He's the Messiah who was promised. The one who, after his death and resurrection, has been exalted to the heavenly realm and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father and he's ruling from there until all his enemies are brought under his feet. Finally, our authors told us that the Son is greater even than the angels. The most glorious and awesome created beings in the whole universe, the angels worship Jesus and they obey his orders on the earth. He's been making much of Jesus. Why? Well, here it is. With all of that in, about the Son in our minds, verse 1, 2 verse 1, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. Our daily lives are surrounded by warnings. We get weather warnings, we get heat waves, or at least I think in Scotland that's had, it's had one of those uh, in its history. 
More likely we get storm warnings, flash flooding, things like that is expected. We also get traffic warnings. We've had some of those over the weekends. You know, make sure you avoid certain roads. And we get health warnings. Avoid this type of food. Uh, you need to cut down on sugar. You need to exercise an hour a day or certain death awaits. Warnings aren't pleasant, but they are good for us, at least if we listen to them. One thing we're going to discover this year as we go through the book of Hebrews is it is a book full of warnings. This is just the first of many. It seems that these Jewish believers were in danger of drifting from the message of salvation that Jesus had taught. They're in danger of drifting from the gospel. That's why he's reminded them just who it is who told them the gospel in the first place the glorious and exalted Son himself. Look at Jesus in all his glory. Look at Jesus up there in heaven on the throne. This is who he is. Why would you ever want to listen to anybody else when it comes to how to be saved? Who could you turn to who could give you a better or more complete message of salvation than the King of heaven? Therefore, listen ever more closely to his message above all others, so that you don't drift away into danger. That's the warning. Now before we move on, I just want us to notice uh, something. That drift is passive, not active. And that's important because the danger of drift is not obvious until it's too late. It's like that carelessly unanchored boat. It goes unnoticed, but left unattended to, well, it ends up on the rocks. See, these people, they're not in deliberate disobedience at this point. They haven't packed in the Christian faith out of fear of persecution. They haven't rebelled against God and given themselves over to moral compromise or worldly behavior. They're just in danger of starting to drift. They're becoming careless or lax or presumptive. They're just losing their focus. See, this is how we drift. We just stop speaking about the gospel as much to each other. And instead, we talk about all the other good things, the football, the weather, the work, the kids, the grandkids. We begin to talk more about church and less about Jesus. We stop praying to the Lord as much as we used to. Well, because we feel like, well, we can handle the challenges ourselves. And perhaps our Bible reading, our devotions, they move from being every day to every other day and then every few days and then, before we know it, every month or two. Maybe we move from gathering with God's people every week on Sunday to every now and again. Or we stop prioritising our small group because, well, we have lots of other important things on. Are any of those things abandoning the faith? No, of course not. Are any of those things outright rebellion and wickedness? No, they're not. They're just drift. Slowly, gently, we are lulled into thinking... And perhaps sometimes we convince ourselves that none of it matters very much at all. It's no big deal. 
But Hebrews 2 says that it does. Don't drift. Wake up to the danger. Now we're going to think about how to do that, how to avoid that drift a bit later on. But first we need to see just how dangerous it is to drift in this way. That's what our writer wants to show us. And that's the second point this morning, beginning in verse 2. We've seen a warning, we've heard the warning, but here's the serious danger of drifting from the gospel of Jesus. Let me read verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If you were here last week, we looked at verse 2 briefly. Let me just remind you of what we said. Uh, Jewish tradition held that when God gave his law to Moses at Mount Sinai, the word came through the angels. So there was a kind of message chain. God gave his law to the angels, who in turn told Moses, who in turn told the people. The message declared by angels, verse 2, is God's law. And the law promised consequences. So if you listened and obeyed that angelic word, well, then you were blessed. If you disobeyed that word, well, then there was just retribution. End of verse 2. And Israel's history, sadly, was full of transgression and disobedience, and therefore that just retribution came to them. Just think of a couple of Old Testament events. The law said, don't have any idols. And what did Israel do? Well, they built a golden calf and they worshipped it. What happened? God sent a plague upon them. Just retribution. God gave laws to them about sexual integrity, that that sexual activity was to be between uh, a married uh, man and woman. Yet in Balaam's time, many in Israel broke that law and they indulged in sexual immorality with the Moabites. What happened then? Well, God commanded the priests to strike them down with the sword. There was just retribution. I chose those two examples because those are two early examples in Israel's history, just after um, God brought them out of Egypt. But even at that stage, the trajectory of Israel was becoming clear. In time, the law came to be forgotten. They had drifted away from it. Eventually, Israel's kings would lead the people in wholesale abandonment of God and his law. And so the Lord sent the Assyrians and then the Babylonians to defeat them and carry them off into exile. And that should have been no surprise because... In the law, God had said exactly that would happen. He told them, Deuteronomy chapter 30, that if they abandoned his words, they would in turn face abandonment and exile. And that's what happened. It was just retribution. Now this is the writer's point here. And it's a point made from the lesser to the greater. If you neglected the message the angels declared, the law, 
Well, there was just, just punishment for it. Severe consequences. And you could look back into the Old Testament story and you'd see that really clearly. But now a greater message has come from a greater messenger. This is not the law from the angels, but the gospel from the Son, from Jesus. The message of what he calls it in verse 3, the message of great salvation. He says, look, you thought the consequences of neglecting the law were bad. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. The gospel is so much greater. Salvation not by our good works or efforts, but by grace through simple faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel, the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins through Christ. Luke 24 describes it. The good that the law was... The gospel of the Son is a far greater message. So you abandon that greater message, says our author, and well, it follows, doesn't it, that the punishment will be greater also. Now, the book of Hebrews is going to have much more to say to us on this topic. We can't say everything now, but for now, the point is this. Don't dare drift. Don't drift from the gospel of Jesus. The church father, a guy called John Chrysostom, he's writing in the fourth century about the message of Hebrews, and he sums up what the author's saying in this way. The writer shows us both the easiness of the fall and the grievousness of the ruin. Both the easiness of the fall and the grievousness of the ruin. See, what begins with simple drift, a passive carelessness, a loss of focus, that's easy to do. But it in turn can end in outright disobedience, and the consequence for that is eternally severe. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is a sober warning, and it's a loving warning. It's loving because it's written to wake us up to the danger. It's written to save us. And in the last verse, we see the key to the author's solution. And that is that we need to anchor ourselves ever more deeply into the gospel. So our final point, how to avoid the drift, anchor yourself deeply into the reliable gospel of Jesus. In verse 4, we're assured that the gospel that we've believed is absolutely reliable. And these Jewish Christians, they were tempted to return to Judaism and the law that goes with it. And so they need to have their confidence in the gospel restored. The message of salvation was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miraculous miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So it's the Lord's gospel, the gospel Jesus preached when he lived on earth, 
the gospel of repentance and faith in him for the forgiveness of sins. And it's the apostles' gospel, those whom Jesus appointed to declare it to the world. They preached the same gospel Jesus preached. And as they told that gospel, it was accompanied, thirdly, by miraculous signs and by gifts distributed to the church. Why? Well, to authenticate it, to show that it was genuinely from God. God was bearing witness to its truth. The gospel of Jesus is solid bedrock. It's reliable, dependable. And so the solution to drift is to anchor ourselves deeply into that gospel. We were told in verse 1 just how we're to do that. We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. Now we noticed before that drift was passive, it was easy. It just happens through lack of attention. Now notice then that the active nature of the instruction we're given, pay much closer attention. Don't sit back, don't rest, don't presume, but actively pursue the gospel. That's how not to drift into danger. Now, how do we actually do that? Um, well, first of all, we're going to think as individuals as to how we might do that. First, I think, don't presume that you know everything there is to know about the Bible or about the gospel it teaches. Instead, be hungry to seek out opportunities to deepen your understanding. The Hebrews chapter 5 is going to speak to us later on. It will talk to us about the need to pursue maturity, to move from milk to solid food. Are you hungry for God's words? Are you keen to read God's word for yourself? Do you actually set aside time to do that? Now that's not always easy. It isn't easy. And it's not easy, especially in certain phases of life where things are really on top of us. Remember that these verses aren't primarily speaking to the person who's keen to read God's word but is struggling to find the time. They're primarily aimed at the drifter, the one who's become complacent. But nonetheless, let's be honest with ourselves. If we are to take seriously uh, this, then perhaps we can consider again our commitment to reading the Bible for ourselves. That's something that I've certainly been challenged by as I've been preparing this week. Second, I think it also speaks to our attitude towards the teaching of God's Word. So have you ever struggled to listen to a sermon? Some of you are like, yeah, this one. <laughs> Um, some of the, I've, I've struggled at times, some of them are my own, um, but I'm not sure that I can say with hand on heart that when I've not been actively listening to a sermon, that it's all the preacher's fault. I've discovered that what I get out of a sermon or a Bible study has so much to do with my own attitude towards it. Do I really believe that I need to hear what's being said? Do I really feel that it's critical to pay much closer attention? 
I remember when I was a, a teenager, um, many, many years ago, uh, I went to a camp, and on the first evening of the camp, the leader was talking to us about the book of the Bible that we were going to be taught at the camp uh, that year. And it was Mark's Gospel. And I remember being disappointed with that and saying to a friend, Oh, I've heard this before. Can you spot the arrogant presumption in that teenage boy? Well, I can now. So I thought I just, I just didn't need to be reminded of the gospel. I actually thought that really, well, I knew it and that I couldn't learn any more than I already knew. And I was a fool. And I'm really glad that I was graciously challenged by a godly leader that I was a fool for that attitude. That's us as individuals. Do we really feel that we need to pay much closer attention to the gospel? Let's ask another question. How much, how much as a church uh, we start to drift? Well, a drifting church won't be obvious and it won't be quick. It will take years, decades, and perhaps even centuries. But at some point, a church that was a gospel church can end up nowhere near the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. And we've seen it. So as a church, how can we avoid drifting? Well, one thing that will really help us is to anchor ourselves to the historic confessions of the gospel. The creeds and the confessions of the faithful church in the past that has gone before us. See, the gospel is an historic gospel. It's the same gospel today as it was centuries ago, as it was when this letter was written. It hasn't changed. And so the creeds and the confessions, they really help us because they remind us that this is the gospel that we've always believed. They anchor us to that gospel. That's one thing. We mustn't shift from that. But along with that, what we need to do is keep the gospel message at the centre of our church gatherings. Hebrews chapter 10 is going to urge us to make a habit of gathering together to mutually encourage each other with the gospel. And when we gather, what should we do together? Well, our our sermon series on Sunday evenings has been helping us to think about this. What's important? It's important that the songs that we sing contain the gospel message. The prayers that we pray must be gospel-shaped, confessing our sin, calling on God for mercy. Baptism and communion must be practised among us. They contain all that gospel imagery, don't they, of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus given for our, to pay for our sins and the washing away of sins in baptism. We need them. And above all, we, the way that we pay much closer attention is by preaching of the gospel as recorded in God's word that we do that faithfully we must never take a break from that pay much closer attention to what we've heard means letting the gospel saturate our time together finally let me just encourage us with something that we're already doing to pay much closer attention One of the best moves that we've made in recent years is to study in small groups what we've been learning on Sundays. 
Now, to be honest, I'm not sure that we thought about Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 when we made that change. I don't think we were that clear on that, but by God's grace, that's one of the things that we've been led to. And it's been really good for us. Why has it? Well, because it's enabled us to drop the anchor deeper. Not just to pay attention to the gospel in Romans and in Luke and now in Hebrews, but to pay much closer attention to that gospel. And it's our prayer that that will be something really true for us over the course of this next year. Brothers and sisters, don't drift. Don't drift. Don't risk it. There is only one gospel of salvation. So let us anchor ourselves ever more deeply into the reliable gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's encourage each other to do that as well. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we thank you for the warning that we've received this morning from your words. And I guess for many of us, we will be concerned that perhaps we have started to drift. And so, Lord God, we pray that uh, you would turn our hearts towards you, that you would plant in us by your Spirit a deep desire to uh, anchor ourselves into your words and the gospel it teaches. And we pray, Lord God, too, for us as the church, that as uh, we see in our world, churches that, that have drifted and have departed eventually from the gospel, we pray that that would not be true of us. We know that uh, we need your help to do that, and so we pray that you would keep us uh, for yourself and help us to keep anchored in the gospel of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.